Welcome to the shit show of my 20s. My name's Sophia. I'm in my early 20s and man has it been full of shit shows. <laughs> it's been great. It's been career changes, industry changes, pivots, highs, lows, crying, happy, everything in between and it's been great and I just really wanted to create the show to hopefully share with you guys that we all go through the craziness of our 20s. We all go through these shit show moments and we all grow through them. And I hope that you're able to see yourself in some of these stories. And if any of these episodes resonate with you, I would love for you to share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes. It really helps. And if you want to connect with me, my Instagram's the shit show in my 20s. And yeah, without further ado, let's get going. Today's guest is Selena. I love chatting with her. Selena used to work at LinkedIn and she turned into the founder of the In Academy. And she is incredible. She specializes in teaching coaches and corporate escapees how to turn their LinkedIn connections into happy customers via a personal, powerful brand without ever having to pay for ads in less than a year. She's had over 2.5 million LinkedIn profile views, over 128 happy clients, 12,000 LinkedIn followers, and 1,000 podcast downloads in only three months. So we go into what is so special about LinkedIn. We go into how to write on LinkedIn, what's a powerful hook, how to really start over on LinkedIn if it's your day one and so much more. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Selena, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start. Tell me about your 20s. Feel free to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. All right. And thank you so much for having me, Sophia, in in your podcast. I think like I already shared with you earlier, I absolutely love the name and love the idea. I would start with actually my love story, if if that's okay. I met my husband in, in my early 20s, fell in love in where I'm from, uh, from Hong Kong originally. We started right there and later it rolled into like this roller coaster long distance relationship, which we both never thought it would happen. So we lived first two and a half years in Hong Kong together and he want to pursue his master's degree and I want to continue pursuing my my career. So we decided, oh, let's let's do long distance and sh- wouldn't be hard. <laughs> and obviously reality check, it's, it's a shit show <laughs> when it's started long distance and it was zooming not zooming back then I think it's Skype Skype all the time and it was really tough and and then fast forward I I was working for Michelin uh, restaurant for putting their PR guide their guidebook uh, every year together and I would be able to travel a bit for my work so it's get easier for me to travel in Europe and back then he's in Europe and in Switzerland for a bit and my job allowed me to work a little bit remotely but not like a hundred percent it's like 20 percent in Switzerland so I decided to basically work there remotely a bit and spend more time and and then it's just like you know back and forth there's so many crazy career decisions not allowing us to live together and we broke off actually (laughs) for three months not knowing what to do and we're still in long distance and one of my best friends have a wedding and we both are invited 
and that's where you know during our three months period the the cold war period of our relationship and it gets really weird because i was like oh so are we going to stay in the same hotel room or have a separate hotel room like what is it going to be it's like a really weird arrangement but because of our best friend's wedding it get both of us talked together again with live parties we haven't seen anybody except each other and we're just like focusing on our career and then we started to think a little bit further about like marriage think about you know maybe perhaps building a family together that's how that started and fast forward with that because that's like a five-year long long distance and we marry in Hong Kong flew back and then I decided to quit my job and move to Luxembourg which is a tiny little European country I'm from a huge city Hong Kong with a lot of people you know like just big city life and I love it in Luxembourg just super tiny there's like very very little people over there and there's not really nightlife there's a lot of family life so it's a lot for me to adopt so I lived there for six to seven months and LinkedIn had haunted me and say hey I have this perfect position to you for you would you like to be their account director at this LinkedIn advertising team and I was again I decided to prioritize my career over my relationship and I was like hell yeah, let's do it. You know, I hate this country. I don't know what's going on, what to do it there. Um, and then I, 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 I left and we begin another two, almost three years long distance again. So yeah, so that, that was the crazy shit show for the entire early 20. I has been in this like long distance relationship now moving in Miami. Yeah. Wow. So that seems like a lot of long distance. It is. Yeah. I'm curious. We're not recommending anybody to <laughs> <laughs> I was like that sounds really really tough but I'm kind of curious like from all of those years of long distance what are the things you picked up about long distance and what are the things that you were really able to do to make sure that your relationship could last that long being long yeah. distance Okay, I will answer the second question because that's more interesting. Because for me, I never thought it it will it will last because it's more like every each month and and because I'm so into my career and also my my daily life, I'm not even thinking about like seeking other people. And I truly love my husband now, like uh, we marry, right? And, but I never thought it will be long-term. I was just like, oh, you know, dating, this is like a really nice person that really loved me and we have so much value align. So, so I would say not knowing <laughs> for sure. But to your first question, that is interesting, actually, because I got a lot of like self-discovery and reflection about my life. Knowing that, you know, with long-distance relationship, there's a lot of communication in order to make it work, right? Like, for example, I'm a very communicative person. I really love, you know, texting. I like video chatting. I like spending time. Whereas for him, he don't like texting. He don't like basically having his phone all the time. So for me, it's like, it's really challenging for both of us to basically communicate. And when we do communicate each week or twice a week, that would be basically those precious hour. And if I'm not, I'm feeling tough, the time difference, right? I'm tired or he's tired after work, then that would be like a moody call that wouldn't work. So it's a lot of like self-discovery in terms of like communication, like the language of love when it comes to distance. 
it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine. It just seems like a really long period. But what was it about reconnecting that made you guys decide to like we're gonna we're gonna pursue this, we're gonna move forward? Because I know there was a breakup and then yeah. the reconnection. So I'm kind of curious what happened there. Yeah, to be honest, I felt like the the wedding really just tickle something between us that we're like oh we have been together and try to survive in this long distance for five years why could we not try to basically make it happen to find a place that we both like matches our culture matches what we want in career as well as desire in life and we just really want to try to make it work and with that wedding it's just help us to visualize if that makes sense because we're young and naive right <laughs> we're like yeah just just do it right and then back then it's like oh shit you know like wedding or marriage could make both uh happen easily you know like in in a pre visa perspective or in like sort of like he moving back to hong kong with uh full uh per permanent residence or me moving moving to europe right so it just get it easier but at the same time because we love that person so much that we could prioritize that than anything else and i would say covid just accelerate this decision for me to sort of like end this long distance and just get over it and try to basically build a family and sort of longer term commitment with with this person that I love yeah and I'm wondering like for your like career journey what were like the different steps I know now you're like teaching people how to really kill it on LinkedIn but like I'm curious like what led up to that for you what was like kind of the pivotal points that made you realize this is something I really want to go all in then yeah, great question. So, so I moved to Luxembourg, right? Sorry, I moved out of Luxembourg. I quit my job at LinkedIn. And when I head back to Luxembourg, I'm jobless. I don't have a plan. I don't know what to do. And I was basically interviewing at Amazon, Microsoft, all these huge tech giant and thinking, oh, you know, like I'm going to land another marketing and sales job over there. It should be easy. And then almost like the final couple of interviews, but I felt something is not right just something that I was like oh it doesn't really speak to me and um, my old clients back at Lincoln they're one of my biggest client Rico they messaged me and say Selena I want a trainer to train our sales and marketing teams LinkedIn. And I was literally, okay, I can do it. Like back in LinkedIn, I cannot do it because I need to basically do it for free because it's for the platform. And I was Googling, oh, how much is it for a speaking gig like this, right? To train someone and I'll oh, find, find that price, send it to them. There are no negotiation. I was like, oh, just send me the invoice. Let's get it started. And I was like, oh, bam, I can actually use my skill set that I, I learned my knowledge about how to to use LinkedIn for business and marketing to my event consulting. And I never thought I will roll this into a business like now, which we're two years now. So I'm very, very happy about it. And yeah, so so this is how 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 that all started <laughs> with, with the business side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like a huge fan of LinkedIn. Like I'm obsessed with it, like more than any other platform right now. But I'm curious for you, what was kind of the moment of you realized, okay, this is like completely different than any other platform. Like this platform, I need to be able to go all in in this one versus like another one. Yeah, great question. I would actually say I buy in with the platform just very initial, right? Because AI work for them and B, I just really like the vision of this platform. And I believe the community in this platform is so different from any other platform out there, right? 
I think Instagram is really, really interesting in terms of the interactive side. There's a lot of great feature, but ultimately when you want to connect with someone like, like, you know, setting up this podcast show with you, it's just so seamless. There's not even need to build that no like and trust factor, but LinkedIn just instantly do that for you, which I absolutely love. The other way that I'm thinking about it from the expert or expertise knowledge standpoint, I know LinkedIn much better than anything else. I think Google has been one of the things that I've thinking about branching out in terms of Google ads as well. But I got a little bit intimidated with how many agencies are doing that and doing it really, really successful. And I see that, oh, LinkedIn marketing and LinkedIn for sales have been such a niche and a lot of like coaches or entrepreneur are branching out in this facet. And I was like, oh, this is actually a really great avenue for me to come in as an expert on that space and on this niche. Yeah. And I'd love to go like deeper into you said like the community is not like anything else. Yeah. Like I, I, I personally feel that all the time, but for someone who maybe isn't like heavily involved in LinkedIn, or maybe they don't even have an account, they've never posted. If you yeah. were to describe the community to someone who has no idea what it's like, how would you explain it? Wow. It's like a community, it's like a family. Like we, I think if you do spend a bit of time, you know, strolling through the newsfeed, all the comments are really positive. Like once I, I mean, I'm I'm a heavy user on Twitter as well. When I see there's like some heated topic, people can come off really too blunt and even rude. But on LinkedIn, there's, you know, you wouldn't survive being brute. <laughs> you know, you can, obviously I, I'm all for having different opinions. You you have a different views. That's totally fine, but be polite about it and, and tell why you're plainly disagreeing with me, right? Give a reason. So I think that's part of it. It's the positivity of the platform as well as how supportive it is. Like in terms of family, like, like I said, right. Like we sort of all know each other. Like I see your content. We sort of like, just, just know each other a little bit with the background and we, we decided to collaborate. And this is the beauty of this platform. Whereas I think other platform takes a little bit more time um, to, to build that. And LinkedIn sort of like just hand you a silver platter in terms of like, this is the entire background of this person, you know, you can stop them. Just a little bit like dating, right? When you're, I don't know, like uh, in a Tinder app, like you have somebody's profile, like cross chat. Okay, this this person looks legit. I want to date him, right? Or date her. And similarly, this is how I thought about LinkedIn, but not necessary for other platforms that give me that credibility piece. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. Cause I feel like on LinkedIn, I, I see you more. I see different people all the time. You know, I see that yeah. you commenting on other people's posts. Like it's more repetition. I feel personally than yeah. like Instagram, you could get lost in, you can maybe not see a person's post for a month, even though they're posting because of the algorithm, like True. you could easily disappear. But that's the thing I feel drawn to about LinkedIn is you kind of see the same people over and over again. We're just all posting and all yeah. commenting on everyone. Yeah. But yeah, and I'm wondering, like, let's say if you were to create like a new account today, like brand new account, you have no one, no connections, nothing. I'm curious what your strategy would be with that account. What are some intentional things you would do from the very beginning um, Mm. to give people some tips from like day one, LinkedIn, just starting like a good strategy? 
Yeah, I love that. I would say the back to the community piece part, because when I first started, I was just like basically adding different people around my workspace. But, but obviously now I'm in the entrepreneur space. I'm still using LinkedIn as a business development tool. If I can go back, I will be really careful of accepting connection, especially connection that it's inactive or connection that it's not really my space. I will be really, really careful uh, so that the algorithm will learn that, oh, this is what I'm trying to target my ideal customers' personas or the community that you want to build, then I, I would really own that space even more strategically. So I think this is the first thing I would say. Secondly, I don't know, like maybe from back to, you know, making an automated system when it comes to testimonial or recommendation, because I, I know uh, later, I think just, I know we're now in April, 2022, in a couple months, LinkedIn will change the recommendation section to be uh, more uh, higher than summary, which means like LinkedIn are really pushing uh, focusing on building that credibility or, or the no light trust factor pieces that that we just talk about. And if I can automate that and like have all my clients or whoever that I've worked with collaborating with and just automate that and just like right after we finish this podcast, it will be sending you a link. And Sophia, you would just like sort of like uh, write me a recommendation and vice versa. That will be wonderful. I think that is one of the things that I really want to build initially instead of now just manually doing. So whoever that is listening now, I <laughs> hope you're building this in place. Yeah. So I would say this too. Yeah. And what would your strategy be for content on day one? Like what would your content strategy be? What would you be posting? Love how much that. would you be posting? Curious love to hear that. what you would do there. Yeah. Oh, I love, love, love this questions a lot because I can go all day, all night talk about content strategies about LinkedIn, but I will actually start by consuming. I think the easiest way to learn how to create great content is about consumption. And if you can consume a lot of high quality content, especially content that you see, you know, Sophia, for instance, yours telling your own story that post went viral, you sort of like get some signals about whether, oh, this content creator really echoed uh, to my style or really like how she write things, how she being super vulnerable while talking about this. I actually have my own story to tell as well. And let me sort of learn from her how, how she do it. So I think the very first stage will be consuming. Next stage is actually engagement. I know a lot of people always missing that piece and just uh, post something right away. It's not wrong. It's just, I felt like if you don't have an audience, you don't have people that, you know, sort of like support you to begin your content creation journey, it could be really lonely. Any platforms, Instagram included, TikTok included, every thriving social media platform is the same. When you have the very first post on a completely new platform, you will expect almost zero or just like one digit engagement, right? Because you haven't introduced yourself and be, be there for your audience. Your audience don't know you exist, right? So you're really building that awareness pool of your audience. So with this engagement, engaging with your space, engaging with your niche, that really helps you to fast track your, your audience building perspective. So once you have that, know that, then it's actually time for you to create content. So let's talk about frequency because I like that question. I got that questions a lot. I would say weekly if it's possible, but really put a number that you feel realistic. 
Don't really just listen to all those experts or coaches saying, hey, you have to post every day. Posting every day is good if you do have a seamless content creation system in place. But if you don't, it will just easily after two weeks or even one month, you get content burnout. And that's what I don't want anybody to do. And it's sometimes it's tough to pump out content, right? Especially new ideas. So really build yourself up uh, to success is to build that habits or what I like to call muscles of, you know, showing up for your audience. So let's say it's per week that you're doing, then next you're really going back to your goal. Some people post content because they want to build personal brand. Some want to build a community. Some just want to, you know, as job seeking, right? So really go back to your goal and really put an intentional, objective behind each individual content you have, then I think this is a really good starting point when it comes to content creation on LinkedIn. Yeah. And that's such a good point because it's so easy to burn out. So easy. So you have to be really like in tune with yourself about like, am I going to burn myself out by doing this much? How can I pace myself? I wish that's something I would have done at the beginning, but I didn't. I learned the hard (laughs) way. Don't worry. Everybody went through that phase. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And for someone who looks at LinkedIn as like, oh, like another platform, like another platform I have to be good at, another thing that like I have to add to the list. I'm curious if there's like a certain time block that you would put towards LinkedIn or like how much time a day you should spend on it or like how do you manage your time so it doesn't end up being like where like you're spending all day on LinkedIn? Yeah, I mean, it depends, right? Like I always said, you just need to make sure, let's say LinkedIn, it's obviously my main source of business development, right? Almost 80% of my entire business revenue is coming from LinkedIn. So if you're looking in the business perspective, then think about which one will really affect your bottom line and spend more time on that particular platform. So this is the first thing. If you're like job seeker or people that just looking into building personal brand and build the thought leadership, I'll say like, Per day, you can spend easily 30 minutes and get the biggest traction on your LinkedIn profile from the uh, views of your LinkedIn profile, from the content standpoint, from the engagement standpoint, as well as people that DMing you. I think 30 minutes is more than enough. Yeah. And I was looking at your website earlier and you grew your account a lot within the first year, right? You like grew it, like you, you did like a really good numbers in terms of the first year. I'm kind of curious, like how you were able to grow that much within a year and like how you were able to like keep up the traction. Yeah, I actually um, like, I I love the question you asked me if I can have a fresh account. Selena, what would you do, right? I want to just basically have a really close-knit community within my niche. So the past couple of two or three months, I've been actually deleting connection that is inactive. That's why I have been sort of like slowing down my pace when it comes to growth. But the first year I would say is really hone into building that seamless system when it comes to content, as well as everything that I communicate through my LinkedIn profile. People just instantly know who you serve, what's your solution, what problem you're trying to solve, as well as like, how do you be able to do that, right? So people are like, oh, you know what? 
I would like to work with you, Selena. Let's let's DM and let's have a chat and and see uh, explore opportunity working together. So I would say profile is the first pillar, and then content. Um, since my purpose is always business development using LinkedIn, the last pillar will be uh, for business. So if someone is listening to this podcast show, they're looking into using LinkedIn as a job seeker, then the last pillar will change to networking. If you are building uh, executive profiling, thought leader, then the last one will be really relationship building, right? Like talking to press, talking with PR, PR people that is looking to find a subject matter expertise or to create or publish that article, then that that would be it. So the last pillars is always flexible, but the first two is the foundation, personal branding, which is LinkedIn profile optimization and is content. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you have anyone who comes to you and maybe they're like, I, I ran out of things to post. Like I've posted in my whole life on LinkedIn. I don't know what else to, I'm curious if that's ever a question that you get, like yes. I've, I've ran out of everything. So, what uh, do you have if someone's kind of feels like I, I've written about everything, like there's nothing left for me to say. To say, yeah. I would to the content pillar. I know a lot of like marketers always talking about content pillars, but that's basically what will really helps you to go wild with any ideas, right? Like talking about yourself as your personal brand and your story is just one pillar out of the other four more pillars you can have, right? So for instance, my pillars is personal branding, women empowerment, entrepreneurship, LinkedIn hot tips, uh, LinkedIn trends, like all things LinkedIn. And last but not least is that I, yeah, business. So uh, LinkedIn for business. So these are my five pillars. And with that pillars, you know what ideas you can talk about. Let's say LinkedIn hot tips. I can talk about literally anything, right? like this way, I can talk about what's the latest trend, what's the latest update of the platform. I can talk about how to write better LinkedIn articles. I can talk about what's the best frequency about LinkedIn posts. How do you format your posts? How, what's the best uh, image to put for your LinkedIn profile? Like it could go forever. So I think if someone really think about the content bucket and then home into the ideas, it will make it really easy to build that system in place and think it all further. Another way of thinking about it is actually with the same ideas, you can actually elaborate it, uh, sorry, use it to use different formats when you're posting. You can post it in video format. You can do about in long form article. You can do just text posts. You can do swipe file, the document post. And it could also be the same idea, right? I talk about content repurposing all the time, but the copies is the same. The inside meat of that content is the exact same thing, but with the different format, you can actually make one pieces of content have eight lives and that eight lives is the format. Plus, if you have not just evergreen content, what I call something more timely basis, that evergreen, you can basically put it like every three months, right? So for example, Sophia, your origin story, you can post it three months later there's still the same people will interacting with it. You can change things. You can also post the exact same one because by the end of the day, you are the one that will remember your content more than anybody else. So this is how I see content repurposing as well as of using different formats. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you, you probably test this too, but I'll test like a first line and then I'll test another first line. Like I keep everything else the same. All I change is the first line. And when I'll change the first line,
and it'll have like a totally different like view count, totally different engagement, like a lot more traction versus the first line that I tested prior. I'm wondering if you test that too. And if there's anything you noticed in terms of that first line. Yeah. So that is the hope line that we were talking about. And yes, I mean, you can literally test anything. And funnily, if I can be so nitty gritty and just pinpoint on the importance when you're putting your caption or copies together, you should spend 95% of perfecting the first three lines. And that's about it. <laughs> and if you're just posting text posts, it's only like three hope lines. If you're posting any multimedia, it's two hope lines. So that 95% should always have that and entreat people, like entice people to click the see more button because that's the beauty and the magic of what the entire LinkedIn algorithm kicks in when it comes to dwell time. Yeah. And I'm wondering if you could give us some examples of some of your hook lines that have done really well and like some, maybe one also too, that you didn't think was going to do well that did well. This is great question. I I would always say start with a question. It could be, uh, I remember one of my crazy viral posts hit almost three, wait, yeah, 300K views. And that one is started with, um, I was wrong for uh, 30 years in my life. And then that just, you know, I, I think everybody want to re- read it too. And it's true. And that's exactly talking about my original story about how I feel about success in my real, in my life, in my career, in my relationship. And you should just put and redefine your own success by yourself. So this is one of the lines. The other would be, I think a lot of people uh, suggest it. I think this is good, but I, I never really use it. It's like, oh, there is another one from, from my end. I'm going to get a lot of hate for this and then see more and uh, a few questions. But there is one that I think I see a lot of content creator have been using. I have not used it, but I, I think whoever that is listening, you can try it. This is not Facebook or or something like related to Facebook per, per se. And you you go about talking about your, you know, your personal story or something vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah, those are good ones. I have been saying this is not Facebook, but I, I didn't realize <laughs> like, I am such a trend. But yeah, I have been saying that multiple times. So that does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, I ha- I had, I don't know if you've had a similar experience, but ever since you had that post do really well, do you feel like you compare other posts to it or like every repost has to do really well or do you feel like anything happens like mentally of just like oh well that post must have been not as good because it didn't do as well I'm curious if you've had any of those similar things come up for you yeah I I see content in a very different way and I see content I really put each content in different goals right so obviously there, for, for instance, when I'm teaching my clients, one of the goals is just engage only and usually engagement type of posts, you get a lot of traction, be entertainment type of posts. It could be education type of posts. Those posts usually perform very extremely well on the platform, but get you the least amount of dollars in sales. Whereas if you have what I call the lead generation type of post, you have a purpose in place that you want to map out, oh, how people is going to work with you 
Sophia, how the client success story, oh, how many people loved your podcast and they listened to it. And then you, you screenshot your, your bus sprout, you know, the, the curve and how many downloads that usually would get the least amount of sales and traction for you. Right. So as long as you're very mindful about the goal of individual content, you'll be fine. And some, sometimes even for me, I would have content that flop, you know, just maybe less than 20 or 30 uh, likes in terms of engagement. But would I feel bad about it? No, next day, just another content. And if I post the exact same content, maybe change a couple of like elements, like just like what we talk about, the hope line or the CTA at the end, then we, we can repost again and the engagement will be different. So I would say really think back and put that objective behind your content, you'll see content in a very different way. Yeah, I love that because that I didn't think about it in that way. But I think if you're constantly comparing the views or you're constantly like in that mindset, it always ends up bad. <laughs> like it always ends up not so great. So yeah. I think it's great that you can reframe it with a objective. Like, what do I want this post to do for me? Or what's the objective? Or like, what long term is this going to show? Yeah. I think that's way better and probably a really healthier way <laughs> to think yeah. about it. Yeah. yeah. But I will blame social media for it, right? Because people always like, oh, I. I went viral with this multiple post that's equal to success. Not really. If you look at someone's balance sheet or a PL, that doesn't really <laughs> see it in that way. So when you really see it, followers doesn't equal to clients or follower doesn't equal to community that it's just really easy for you to know your goal is to basically build relationship, learn whatever that your goal is to, to see social media in a very different way. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And I think that's great because you, you went into how like just because you have a viral post doesn't mean that's going to show up in your bank account. Like those yeah. two things don't usually always come together. Yeah. And I'm wondering for you, like, so if there is only one post that people could see from you, mm-hmm. what would you want that one post to be? Mm, love this question. My origin story. Definitely my origin story. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And what, what in particular in that post? Is it on LinkedIn, the, your yeah. origin story? Yeah, I put it in the feature section because I think it's just something really differentiate myself from any other LinkedIn expert out there. And yeah, not, not that I just work for them, but it's really about why I started my business and my mission behind it. And I really, truly want to share my expertise to the world so many people could really use this um, platform to their biggest advantage when it comes to business because any business owners they find it extremely challenging especially they're not from the marketing department they will think like oh my gosh how can I be able to promote market myself with the knowledge know-how and build wealth equally for for their contribution and the business right and I really see that lack of that knowledge as well as support especially on LinkedIn, this platform. And that's why that's my mission. And I want to share with the world. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. And I'm wondering, since you probably look at so many people's accounts, so many business owners accounts, you probably review, what's something you think they do wrong? Or what's like a common mistake you see in their account? Oh, love that question so much, because I just got another interview with Welcome to the Jungle, the editor. And I was telling her, I find that I don't really understand why people um, in the about section, summary session, they use third, third, like third people perspective, right? Like Sophia will be Sophia is, and then uh, she have like 
12 years of experience in marketing, real estate, things like that. And I just never understand why people like to describe themselves in a third people perspective. You're you, you know, especially as a personal brand. So I would say this is the number one mistakes that I I see people is doing. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I do see that all the time. And it kind of doesn't feel personal. It kind of feels kind of like, uh. yeah, (laughs) right. You're like, oh, I I pass. (laughs) No need to connect with this person. (laughs) Exactly. Well, that sounds bad, but that's what we look at. We look at the bio, we look at the photo. If the photo looks weird or like the bio looks weird, we're not going to connect. Yeah. So I'm wondering for you, like, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, for you, what would you, what do you think in particular about the photo and the bio we need to do in order for other people to want to connect with us? Yeah, I think photo, it's rather simple, just as long as it's not like too much filter or too far away, or you're, you're like the rule of thumb is just having yourself, right? It's not a super personal account that you should have your mom, have your family, your dog, right? You can still do it through your content, but not in your uh, profile pictures. Cover photo, best to have it because a lot of people, like when they do check out your, your profile, they will know what, what your stands are and it's the first thing that people see. Headline, also like directly tell who you are, how you're going to help your ICP, your ideal customers or whoever that your target audience is. And yeah, so I would say these, these three Trinity is the most important things to be focusing on as for summary, it's great to have. I really like the feature section feature that they introduced a year ago, which I think you can just highlight a couple of your best performing polls so that, you know, like Sophia, like you asked that great questions. If you can just have one post to be shown to your target audience, what is it going to be? And that's your feature section, right? That hero section that just either drive people to the website or your highest performing polls or just a CTA that matters to you personally. And uh, work experience is rather simple, but I do have a pet peeve when it comes to people putting they are a Harvard. uh, There's like a digital course that Harvard is doing and they said they basically graduate from Harvard and I think it's just (laughs) BS (laughs) to the finest. And I was just like, it's just not authentic. Like just don't don't put that because people easily can see it through people are smarter than than you think so don't do that and uh, and recommendation which is like really the most underrated uh, section that people should be really focusing on and if anybody is listening it's very new to this platform LinkedIn do offer a one free LinkedIn premium month do utilize it because when you do have that one LinkedIn premium there's a one biggest advantage is to have uh, learn all these like mini courses through LinkedIn learning and once you do that, you would be able to add that license and certifications directly to your LinkedIn profile. So if you're like a really heavy learner, you can easily learn like two or three cores and it's bite-sized, right? 30 minutes, some will have one hour. Then you can just add those three courses per day. That's already like 20 courses over there to help you with SEO. Yeah. So I would say these are a few places to be taking note off. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And I'm wondering, like, I feel like this is kind of changing in terms of LinkedIn, but I feel like sometimes 
in like the past, there's like, you can't put too much personal. You can't share too much. It has to be more professional. I feel like there's more of like a shift of adding more personal to yeah. LinkedIn. And I'm curious what your, your thought process is behind that, like on sharing more personal content on being able to make sure people really know you more what your thought process is on it. And if it's oversharing by sharing like photos of your family or sharing different things, what your kind of strategy is there. Yeah, I think um, an easy answer to the questions would be perfect if there's a ratio mine is like 70 to 30 but again like my objective is always using LinkedIn for business so the 30 will be the personal part right so if it's someone that just hoping to build an audience or start building personal brand 50 50 sounds good to me as well so as long as you have a ratio not just talking about yourself and your um, personal story all the time because your audience will at some point felt like oh why is this person always talk about her or his story all the time what are other content mix right so I, I would say that but yeah, the platform has been changing so much. And I would say primarily thanks to COVID, but also thanks to how the, when I'm still working for LinkedIn, the CEO is Jeff Weiner. And now the new CEO is actually a, from the VP of product. So, so he's in the VP product space. And after he took, to, uh, took over the CEO position, he have actually implemented so many innovation in the platform, including like LinkedIn story. I know this this have launched and they decided to take it off the cart but you know things like this to basically drive a lot of conversation and interaction within the um, uh, professional space and that's I think one of the biggest reason why LinkedIn have been shifting gear towards more personal uh, perspective behind a professional right and they have this new team just actually started I think eight to a year ago, it's called the LinkedIn for creators, which they're really heavily investing on content creators that are, you know, sharing their lives, their behind the scene, how they do things or how they become where they are at right now and helping people's just a couple of steps behind them to take a look of the, the journey, right? To have lesser mistake and fast track the results. So I would say that are a couple of things that changes the platform completely in the personal personal development perspective yeah 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 what's something you're excited about right now it could be anything happening in your life business anything you feel excited about nothing related to business no it could be anything like oh, anything, anything. Oh, I'm going to New York in June I'm really excited I haven't been uh, there since I'm a kid so I'm really excited to travel there and meet a couple of like LinkedIn friends that we've been like chatting all the time uh, through LinkedIn emails and finally meeting in real life I love that so um, I'm really excited about that trip and in business wise um, we're we're hiring uh, and scaling up the team really quickly so we're we're hiring a new social media manager so really excited about how the entire business is going to unfold in one or two years. I don't know where where the in academy is going to take me. So yeah, excited about all the all these. And I'm wondering. I'm asking this personally because I'm wondering about Florida myself. What are some of the things that you've liked um, from moving to Florida recently, and what have some of the things you've liked that like have stood out to you versus like the other countries you've lived in the past? And oh my places? goodness, love that. It's the weather. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I mean, 
Coming from Hong Kong, I, I, uh, that's a coastal city as well. Huge skyscraper. But one of the things that I really miss about is the water and the, the sound of the ocean. And I love that so much that now I'm living in Miami. I'm like literally 12 minutes driving distance to the beach. And it's just amazing. I love that. I love this so much. Whereas back in Europe, which is also a really high quality uh, living environment. However, the weather is just so bad. Like I have this terrace eight months. I couldn't be able to use it because of the weather. Whereas here, I have also a um, terrace here and I can use it, you know, to my advantage almost every day after lunch or grab a coffee or just even doing lives over there. To me, it's just, just amazing. Like weather, hands down. (laughs) Okay. That's good. That's awesome. And I have a final question for you. If you were to go back in time and talk to your 20 year old self, Mm-hmm. What would you want to tell her? Oh, that's a tough one. Redefine my own success. Yeah. Redefine what success really means to me. Don't really follow what everybody tell you that what success really means to you. And I think 10 years from now, I realized my happiness and success are totally different story and totally different definition. So redefine it when you have a chance, when you're your early, early twenties in your life. (laughs) And I'm wondering what your definition is now of it. I think in my twenties, I always thrive to move up my, um, move up in the corporate ladder. And I think this is my one and only goal, uh, just because of my family, of my mom, you know, all this so, so pressure (laughs) around me, but now my success is actually my family, prioritizing what really truly matters in my life, my relationship, and how I wanted to spend my time. And if I want to take a day off tomorrow, go to the beach, I do that. If I want to work during weekend, I do that. Like redefine what success really means to me. And to me, it's like prioritize what matters in your life now at this moment. Wow. That's a really good question to ask at 20. That's really good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that's yeah. such a good way to start off. And it's 20s. okay to be wrong. It's okay mm-hmm. to be wrong. Like, that's why I don't know, like from when I'm 40s, looking back at my early 30s now, I would say something totally different, right? So there's no right or wrong as long as you really, you know, try to figure out what really means to you and try not to, you know, just let people affect your perspective and your value, your views. I think you already 10 steps ahead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And where, where can we connect you? Where can we stalk you? Where can we find you? <laughs> LinkedIn. <laughs> I do have an Instagram account, uh, which I'm hoping to grow. So if any listeners are Instagram experts, please feel free to reach out to me. But uh, yeah, I, I've been recently just opened a new account on Instagram. That has been really fun. But um, if you do want to connect with me, LinkedIn is the place to go. I also have my own podcast show, but I, I have it like with different season. So that podcast show is all about, you know, LinkedIn actionable tips. So if anybody are interested to learn more about LinkedIn, feel free to uh, check it out. And any final thoughts? No, I I have been really enjoying the conversation. Thank you so much for having me, Sophia. And keep living your life and living your dream and keep growing this podcast ideas. I absolutely love the concept and I can't wait to tune in with a couple of different shows and learn how different people see and view their 20s and how they do things differently right now. Yeah. Yeah. 
Thank you so much for doing this. I love this. Yeah, same here. Thank you for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.